Listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you The Seminarians, a dialogue with students from the Pontifical College Josephinum, produced by AM820 to encourage and inspire vocations to the religious life. And now, The Seminarians. Welcome to The Seminarians Show. I'm Gordon Mott from the Great Diocese of Columbus, Ohio. Joining me are Jonathan Torres from Charlotte, North Carolina, and Dalton Irvin from Victoria, Texas. Let's begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord, we uh, give you thanks for these positive uses of technology that allow us to grow as community and in order to uh, to propagate the faith, like the great work they do here at this radio station. Um, we thank you for the opportunity to come together for the gift of the day. Help us to uh, remain focused on you at all times um, in order to speak your truth. Um with love. We ask all this in your most holy and perfect name as we pray in the words that Jesus Christ taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So I thought that for today's show, we could talk about the Beatitudes. We've, we've talked about the, the corporal and spiritual works of mercy, and we've, we've talked about you know, other elements of how to live a holy life. Um, but I, I really do feel like key to living a holy life is the Beatitudes. And you know, most people know that Beatitudes are good, unless they're recent confirmation students. I think most people don't quite remember the list, so... I thought maybe what we could do is just kind of work our way through the the Beatitudes and discuss how you integrate them into your life and what that might look like. Right? The um, so I thought we would start with uh, a note from the Catechism. Right? Um, Catechism seventeen seventeen says that the Beatitudes depict the countenance of Jesus Christ and portray His charity. They express the vocation of the faithful associated with the glory of his passion and resurrection. They shed light on the actions and attitudes characteristic of the Christian life. They are the paradoxical promises that sustain hope in the midst of tribulations. They proclaim the blessings and rewards already secured, however dimly, for Christ's disciples. They have begun in the lives of the Virgin Mary and of all the saints. And there's a further note that says, the Beatitudes respond to the natural desire for happiness. Okay, now this... This is good. So the uh, just a brief overview, right? So the blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. So there's a lot there. So let's uh, let's just kind of go through one by one and kind of break these apart, right? Um, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Poor in spirit. What, what, what does that even mean? Poor in spirit. I mean, do you guys have thoughts? 
Yeah, I, I think I've always assumed, and I know what happens when we assume, but <laughs> I've always assumed that being poor in spirit meant being detached from earthly goods. So while it might be okay to you know, have earthly possessions, um, the idea is that you possess them and they don't possess you. Um, yeah, no, I think that's a wonderful way. I mean, like, so there's a bunch of different perspectives about how to approach this, right? Because mm-hmm. our Lord didn't exactly, you know, include a compendium to that particular statement. Mm-hmm. Like, a see page 747, for examples. Um, I personally, I like uh, St. Therese of Lisieux, right? Like, the, uh, and her little way that, you know, for her, being poor in spirit meant being little. And not putting yourself first and not putting your perceptions and your expectations first, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so I found this this beautiful meditation on the subject, right? It says, um, Every genuine human encounter must be inspired by poverty of the spirit. We must forget ourselves in order to let the other person approach us. We must be able to open up to the other person to let that person's distinctive personality unfold even though it often frightens or repels us, we often keep the other person down and only see what we want to see. Thus, we never really encounter the mysterious secret of their being, only ourselves. Failing to risk the poverty of encounter, we indulge in a new form of self-assertion and pay a price for it, loneliness. Because we did not risk the poverty of openness, our lives are not graced with the warm fullness of human existence, and so we're left with only a shadow of our real self. You know, like that's mm. there's a lot of there there, right? Yeah, yeah. That you know, so we tend to think we we equate poorness of spirit and with like meekness, you know, and it's like, oh, okay, so it's just like about passivity or docility. But really, if you know, we take it in light of the catechism, and all of the beatitudes are an expression of love. Well, then poor in spirit must have something to do with loving, right? The, um, and that little meditation I think is just gold. Um, the, uh, one other perspective about the poor in spirit, right? Is the, uh, um, written by Martin Laird. And he said, he, he described, this this journey toward poverty of spirit as quote the liturgy of our wounds and he said unquestionably it's a long and demanding task for most of us for me there is a greatly ingrained tendency to recoil from my own brokenness to judge it over a lifetime to loathe it in doing this i avoid what god in christ draws close to and embraces the um so i mean so then you kind of take it even to another level right is like so now by a failure to be you know, poor in spirit, you know, and focusing on my brokenness or my self-perceived faults, I achieve the same end result, which is loneliness, right? Uh, and a radical disconnection. The, um, so, I mean, I guess the thing is, is like, what would be some, some practical ways that somebody might be able to live out that beatitude in their life? Like, you know, being poor in spirit, like, um, you know, St. Therese of Lisieux, for example, um, said that, you know, one easy little sacrifice for that beatitude is smiling at somebody that you dislike, right? Not because like, oh, I'm plotting against you, but like genuinely smiling because you want to see something better in that, right? But like, what might be some other ways? 
You guys have any thoughts? Um, I think there's many ways. You know, we uh, hear in the scriptures about that need to, um, the humble and contrite heart that the Lord seeks in us. I think that's really um, kind of like the smiling. Sometimes to smile at someone is the act of humility, mm-hmm. ultimately. Um, not letting your own feelings, your own emotions, your dislikes get in the way of being a genuine person, um, a genuine uh, companion on a journey towards heaven with this other person. And ultimately that is with the humble heart, uh, the expression of a humble heart, uh, a contrite heart for your sinfulness, your past uh, grievances against that person, um, even if it was only in thought or or word, not in deed. Uh, but I think that's that's really what it is to be poor in spirit, is to be humble. Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. I think it's a, a great expansion on that. Thank you, Dalton. Um, so then, so we go to the other beatitude, right? Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Now that one, I'll admit, like when I was coming into the church and I started like learning about beatitudes, like what do you mean, blessed are those that mourn? Because that doesn't feel like a blessed thing at the time, right? The, uh, but then let's see the, uh, here we go. So Pope John Paul II, when he was talking to the youth in Auckland, he said, you can all sense in yourselves the process of questions and answers. You can all measure the difficulties you have in believing and even the temptation not to believe. But at the same time, you also experience a slowly maturing sense and conviction of your commitment in faith. In fact, there is always a meeting between God and the human person in this wonderful school of the human spirit, the school of faith. The risen Christ always enters the upper room of our life and allows each of us to experience his presence and to declare. Now that's like that kind of just flips like the normal default perception on its head, Hmm. right? Because blessed are those who mourn. We fixate on suffering as a bad thing that's to be radically avoided at all costs. Mm -hmm. But it's also an invitation. If we're mourning, it's because we know that something is wrong that should be right. And the act of mourning is really something that comes out of faith, right? Yeah. It's like, it's really a a cry out to God. The, uh, and as soon as I kind of started realizing that, I was like, whoa, like, you know, yeah. where's the top of my head? It might be on the ceiling. I don't know. Um, I think I think for most people, this uh, the reading of the Beatitudes is often heard as one of the readings at funerals, and I think that's one of the reading that that Beatitude. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be consoled. I think that's one reason why this is such a common reading at funerals, is because as you were saying, that something's wrong that needs to be made right, mm-hmm. um, that will be made right on the last day on the resurrection when we all see each other again or yeah. well not all of us some people we don't know who but somebody <laughs> oh, well but i mean maybe going a different direction but yeah my point of it has a place in the liturgical life of the common christian and that is at funerals and i think that's where that's where they've heard the beatitudes the christians who the catholics who may not go to mass all the time but they come when their aunt dies or when mom dies or dad dies they know they would have wanted a catholic funeral so they have it um and I think just it does go much deeper, but on the surface level, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be consoled. Um, it, I mean, even on the base level, like that's a a good thought because we do mourn in this life. Mm-hmm. If there, if it's, 
if you're not mourning about something in this life, I'm not sure you're living a human existence. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. And I think mourning is just, it's it's a very human response to suffering that is was not part of God's original plan. And to mourn, to, like a sincere mourning, mm-hmm. is to cry out to God saying, you know, help me. It, it, you know, I, I'm stuck in this suffering that is a result of my own sinfulness, of everyone else's sinfulness, of our, parent, our first parents, Adam and Eve's, their sinfulness. And... We were not, you know, Father Murphy loves to talk about how we were not made to die. Death is mm. not natural. <laughs> and we so that, made to die. The, God protected. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so it is almost a, uh, a a cry from a deep place in our nature. Mm-hmm. as saying something is wrong that needs to be made right. That one responsorial psalm, the Lord hears the cry of the Lord. Blessed be the Lord. Yeah. You know, is, uh, the is cry of the, the poor. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Lord hears the cry of the poor. What, yeah. Is that what I said? The Lord know. here is the cry of the Lord. <laughs> that's not what I said. That's what you said. We have it on recording. All, well, whatever. That's not what I meant. The Lord hears the cry of the poor. The poor. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. But it's this yeah, you're right. concept of, of, of mourning, mm-hmm. of crying, crying out to the Lord. Yeah. Which sounds a lot like poor. Yeah. <laughs> you're listening to The Seminarian Show on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. You can hear this show every Saturday at 11.30 a.m. and Sunday at 1 p.m. and in the audio archives at stgabrielradio.com. I'm Gordon Mott from the Diocese of Columbus, Ohio. Joining me are Jonathan Torres from the Great Diocese of Charlotte, North Carolina, and Dalton Irvin from Victoria, Texas. So we were talking about the Beatitudes. Um, Let's move on to Blessed Are the Meek, right? The... um, And... Here's a kind of a fascinating and I think timely commentary given our current sociopolitical environment, right? I thought it's, you it's, didn't like politics, Gordon. <laughs> Why are you bringing them up? I know, right? The uh, meekness, it says, is anathema in our aggressive culture of strivers where winning is all important. Even in the church these last decades, we've seen too many polarizing culture warriors who seem desperately searching for enemies within it to fight and condemn. It's fascinating how extremists of all ideological types despise meekness and gentleness because they see it as a sign of weakness. And so Pope Francis responds to this uh, with the words of St. Francis de Sales. And he says, nothing is so strong as gentleness, nothing so gentle as real strength. And that kind of caught me off guard, right? Because like we tend to think of, I mean, I personally tend to think of, of meekness as like um, servility, right? Like, you know, like, oh, well, it, you know, you're like the, the fish that's like just kind of staying in one place and not doing anything. And, but meekness as strength, you know, the, um, this idea that I don't necessarily have to wage war because, well, it says in scripture, right? My, my hope is in the name of the Lord, right? That he's my buckler and my shield, so this this necessity for for culture warriorness. I don't know. I mean, what do you guys think? How can we live out this this idea of of meekness in in our day-to-day life? I think it's in part tied to humility, uh recognizing who you are uh in the grand scheme of things, taking yourself out of you know, your as best you can your limited subjective perspective of the world and seeing yourself as seeing something bigger than you are but that's i guess that would be more humility i think in my understanding 
you can't really be meek unless you you are someone with some with with power and strength and so it's 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 almost a choice to mm-hmm. say you know i am you recognize your abilities your gifts your talents and yet you put them in the service of others you know you 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 bow down as it were to the level of others uh in service of them of god um and so i think someone who is naturally feeble weak insecure you know perceives themselves as not having talents i don't think that's really meekness yeah. um, no I, yeah I i'm i'm with you and i think i and i i think this is we're on the same page here because people i think meek to be meek has a negative connotation to it mm-hmm. it's almost like being mousy or weak you know and, yeah, yeah like a weak yeah. person um but biblical meekness to me and my and how i've kind of um, absorbed it and, and understanding it is like that that strong man who doesn't say a whole lot, but when he does speak, you listen. Yeah, yeah. because you know it's going to be important that it's well thought out, mm-hmm. um, that it's sincere. It's not someone who's just like the political advocates who are just always running. Rah, 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 mm-hmm. Do this, do this. It's the best. It's going to save the world. Um, but the man who finally says. Everyone needs to be quiet. Mm-hmm. This is truth. Yeah. And we need to respond. Mm-hmm. It's it's the man of few words or woman of few words. Right. Um, but with few words that are more impactful than all the words of the other person. Mm-hmm. That's meekness. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, Thank you, Dalton. The... Uh, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. The uh for they will be filled. Now that's that's interesting, right? Because like we tend to capitalize on the beginning of that. Like and we think of like those who hunger and thirst like it's it's not blessed to hunger and thirst. It's like it's not a good thing to go hungry, right? But then like we kind of gloss over this idea of righteousness and that that's really what we ought to hunger and thirst after the uh i don't know i've never read it that way i've always it's always been about righteousness about justice those who at least in my how i've always approached it is has always been this like blessed are those who realize things are wrong and they long for the day that it's made right um they will be filled right because they will have justice in heaven heaven is perfect justice Everybody will have their just reward through God's mercy, whatever it may be. Um, but so ultimately, you can't remain indifferent. Blessed are those who have not fallen victim to being indifferent. No, I, I like that a lot. Uh, Pope John Paul II, uh, in his address to the youth at Auckland, I pretty much addressed this head on, right? He said, In the course of the century now past, young people like you were summoned to huge gatherings to learn the ways of hatred. They were sent to fight against one another. The various godless messianic systems which try to take the place of Christian hope have shown themselves to be truly horrendous. Today you have come together to declare that in the new century you will not let yourselves be made into tools of violence and destruction. You will defend peace, paying the price in your person if need be. You will not resign yourselves to a world where other human beings die of hunger, remain illiterate, and have no work. You know, so like there's like capitalizing like you are recognizing injustice and you're refusing to settle for the status quo. Kind of like where you were going with that, Dalton. The um, and 
So, so how might we live that out in the day to day? I mean, I think it's just being aware, um, looking around yourself at your fellow Christians or fellow humans, um, beyond just Christians, but to our fellow human beings in the world and seeing where there is no justice or there is a skewed sense of justice. Well, and that can be hard, right? Because like, so our default, like perceptions are always kind of inward focused, right? So then it seems like blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness really involves a growth in humility and an openness to kind of look beyond what you would normally notice. Right. Yeah. I think the, the language of hungering and thirsting though really puts an immediacy. No, immediacy is maybe the wrong word. A, a weight on just how much our desire for justice Mm -hmm. should be. I think it's one thing to say, Oh, you know, the government ought to do this or the church should do this. But it's Somebody ought to, to do something. Yeah, right? but it's another thing to really hunger. What does it mean to hunger and thirst for yeah. that? I think that that's directly opposed to the vice of achadia or sloth, mm-hmm. you know, that we become so indifferent to the spiritual good around us that we could care less if there's an injustice happening. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of us on the surface say, oh, if only this could be better or, you know, that's not fair that this happened. But... To really live out that beatitude, I think, is to fight the temptation of sloth mm-hmm. and achadia and to desire those things that are above. The desire it with all your heart, to hunger mm-hmm. and thirst for it in such a way that you're passionate about it. That you're, physiologi- you're physiologically affected by yeah. seeing this injustice. Yeah. 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 You know, that it consumes, not consumes your entire being or person, but in, but that it it gets down to your core. Yeah, exactly. You don't just look and go... Oh, that's so sad. I wish yeah. I was better. Yeah. But to where you feel something inside you. Right. Um, it is bothers. Missing. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's essentially this movement, right? From somebody ought to do something to an internal conviction that I feel I need to do something. Right. I forget. I forget who Pope Francis was talking to or where he was talking at, but he was talking to somebody somewhere. And he said, he said, <laughs> we need it to be, <laughs> we need it to be islands of mercy in a sea of indifference. Hmm. And that's stuck with me ever since then. You know, who he was talking to, I can't remember where it was. I can't remember. But yeah. but that's this idea of hungering and thirsting for righteousness mm-hmm. is to be that island of mercy in a sea of indifference. Yeah, yeah. Almost like a refuge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that. The uh, So then the next one is blessed are the merciful for they will receive mercy. Right? And Pope Francis at his Angelus address in March 2013, well, one of them, um, has this beautiful quote. He said, feeling mercy changes everything. This is the best thing we can feel. It changes the world. Just a little mercy makes the world less cold and more just. And I like this. I, I like this a lot because... I mean, we tend to live lives, I think, personally, like these, again, like this kind of default behavior is that we live these ironically very disconnected lives, right? The, uh, where we're not really kind of open to the other, or, you know, I kind of want to build a castle on top of the feelings that I feel in this situation or that this person mistreated me, you know, they've got to go down, you know, and, you know, when... 
you know, and in contrast to that, you have this feeling mercy changes everything. This is the best thing we can feel. It changes the world. A little mercy makes the world less cold and more just. So, so how can we, how can we live out that beatitude in the day to day? Go to confession. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> because you cannot show mercy to others unless you've known it yourself. You can't. Get- and we learn it from the Father. Yeah. Um, and so there it is. That's how you start by going to confession, experiencing mercy. Then you can authentically show it and give it to others. I think too. We we like to juxtapose mercy and justice, mm-hmm. but really mercy flows from justice. Mm-hmm. And so recognizing what is just, I think, will allow you to show mercy as well. Because what is mercy aside from justice? That that implies that there's a justice to begin with if you're mm-hmm. going to show mercy. Mercy has to flow from ju- justice. Mm-hmm. So, So recognizing justice, I think, is a good foundation in which to live a life of mercy. So. Well, I mean, injustice really, I mean, if you break justice down, it means giving to the other what ought to be given, right? I mean, that's the nature of like restorative justice is like, oh, I deprived you of something, I have to give it back. And the uh, St. Gemma Golgani uh, was uh, famous, famously had been kind of struck with this conviction about how much of her own personal faults and indiscretions God had overlooked and he had chosen to, to love her in spite of all of those things. And she said to her spiritual director, who was her bishop at the time, um, you know, if God refuses to, uh, to rescind his love from me, then what right do I have to rescind my love from any other person? And, you know, in a nutshell, like, yeah, that's, that's the essence. Like you go to confession, you receive God's mercy and then now you have this font to draw from in order to engage the world. So any quick closing thoughts about the, the Beatitudes and living them out or? No, not on my part. No, <laughs> It's just a threefold endorsement. There Beatitudes go. are good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, well then, thanks for joining us for today's Seminarian show. You can hear this show every Saturday at 1130 a.m. and Sunday at 1 p.m. and in the audio archives at stgabrielradio.com. Uh, let's pray. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, beginning is now, and ever shall be, world, world without end. Amen. God bless you all. Please pray for us. The Seminarians is a production of listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820. Archives of The Seminarians and all of our locally produced programs are available at stgabrielradio.com. Then Sanctity